Good to hear voices. Yeah, I had a real sense this morning that this, the, the story we're going to look at today, the parable, as we're going through parables, is one that could be thought of as a scary and intimidating one, which it is, but I really have a sense that God is ready and wanting to, to build us up and meet us and encourage us in a, in a fresh way. So we're going we're gonna to look at, look at this parable. Before we go there, um, Eddie, go ahead and show that first picture here. This is what we're talking about today. So I was in a familiar place this week, a place I go every day. It's a nice, you know, me time, quiet time. I call it daily therapy. I call it poop therapy. It's, it's, it's great. But I, I noticed this was on the wall. And it, it caught my eye. And I was like, hmm, which side do I pick from? So I'm just curious. This is, this is a little exercise. Which one of you would be inclined, which of you would be inclined to grab the toilet paper on the left? Raise your hand. Wow. Minority. Okay. Well, okay, yeah. Looks like about 25, maybe 30% of us. How many of you would pick the one on the right? All right. Looks like about the same. I guess the rest of you just like, I don't even, I just grab. I don't know. <laughs> so this like just brought me to the, you know, you see a, a toilet roll that's, that's near to empty. I'm guessing that the people that pick the one on the, the right are the same ones that squeeze their toothpaste from the middle, just in the ones, <laughs> the ones on the left are the ones that like push it out. You know, is that true? Yeah, okay, I got our personalities here. Um, I was, but there's, you don't want to see, you know, when, when the pandemic hit, there was a run on toilet paper, right? Like there's certain things in the world you don't want to run out of, and toilet paper is one of them. Um, the next picture, I was, you know, was happy to see that on the, the back of the seat, there was plenty of backup. So, you know, that wasn't going to happen. But we're going to look at a parable Jesus told where people did run out of something that was very important. And we're looking at Matthew 25, the parable, it's of, we're calling it the parable of the ten bridesmaids. It's often known as the parable of the, the ten virgins. And... Uh, this, is, this is a parable, honestly, that I've been less drawn to and less readily connect with as I've read it over the years. It's kind of for the same reasons that when I, as a man, the whole like, idea of being the bride of Christ, it just like, doesn't naturally inspire me or connect. Like, oh, yeah, can we just like, move on? I don't really want to think about that too much. Um, but honestly, as I've gotten older, I've appreciated more and more what that means. And uh, similarly, this is a parable I've been, I've been less drawn to. It's less obvious, I think there's a less obvious takeaway than some of them, at least for me. But the more I've dug into it, the more valuable and important I've found this to be. And I, I really, really do believe it's something for us here in the room that we're not here by accident today. So uh, there's, a, there's a guy, Professor William Salmond, I, I ran across this quote as I was reading some commentaries about this, this parable. But he said this, he said, and this is written about 100 years ago, but he said, no parable surpasses this one in beauty or in a pathos which becomes tragic. And that's really true. This is a beautiful parable, but there's also the emotion of it that is, is very tragic. And we're in the middle, we're in Matthew 25, where we've, we've, this is the third parable from Matthew 25 we've looked at in the last three weeks. All of these have been about the final judgment. 
They're tying into when Jesus comes back at the end of history to, to set up his kingdom in a, in a completed way on the earth, and all of us will stand before God and give an account for our life. And we've talked about a couple weeks ago how, surprisingly, about 30% of the parables that Jesus taught or told were about the final judgment. So it's it's very important topic. To, like, we will be judged. We will stand before God. And it's important that we are prepping for that incredibly momentous day. So two weeks ago, we talked about how God grades, how he's looking at how we care for the least of these. Um, last week, we, Eddie talked about the parable of the talents and how it's so important that we look at the resources and gifts God has given us and that God is expecting us to invest those and he's expecting a return on his investment. Um, this, this one is, is actually precedes those chronologically and I think it's more foundational in that it's really laying out the, the relational aspect that's of utmost importance of our relationship with God. That is ultimately what we're going to be um, what God's going to be looking for, what Jesus is looking for when, when he returns. So uh, just I'm going to read verse 1. We're going, to, we're going to read through this. I'm going to kind of like pull, try to pull a lot of things together from the themes in this. So we're going to set it up a lot at the beginning, but then um, we'll go through it here. So Matthew 25, verse 1, Jesus says, Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins, who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. The setting of this parable is a wedding. And in ancient Israel and in much of the Eastern cultures, even to fairly recent times or even to current times, weddings, there's some similarities in how weddings happen. And weddings are like the biggest communal celebration there is. Weddings would often take place for a week. There'd be a week of, of feasting, of dancing, of partying. It's this huge celebration of this in, incredibly momentous occasion of a man and a woman coming together and, and forming a, a family. And throughout, in, many, in Israel and in other cultures too, it's interesting, there was often this, this thing that would happen in different stages in the, the wedding week or wedding three days, however it happened, where the, the groom, and sometimes with the bride, sometimes not, would, would go like from his house to the house of the bride's family. And sometimes he'd be carried like on one of those like things, you know, with like four poles and people carry you on those and all this, this big like pomp and pageantry. Um, and he, there'd be the times where the wedding party, and that's who we have here, these, these ten virgins who are kind of like the bridesmaids. They're waiting to greet the groom as, as he comes. And so... Uh, this is just you know, a picture of, the, of just a hint is that the kingdom of God is, is about re relationship. It's equated to a wedding and pointing to the final consummation of Christ with, with his church. Um, there are a few things here just to, to define terms. Um, so the kingdom of heaven, whenever we talk about the kingdom of heaven, we're not just talking about gold streets in the sky, but it's the kingdom of God. It's the, the place, um, the reign of God from heaven, but coming to earth that will ultimately be completed when Christ returns. The, the bridegroom here is Jesus. Okay, so that's really important. If you don't get that, you're going to not get the story. But the bridegroom is Jesus. And then the virgins um, would be, my understanding of this, and this would be agreed upon by most, most Christian commentators, these would be professing Christians. So these are people that have, that have turned from other 
allegiances. They've, they've come into a place of saying, hey, I want to be faithful to God. And they've kept themselves from sin or they've been purified by, by, by God from their sin. And so we're talking about people that are professing and have chosen to believe in Jesus. Um, there's a sense, you know, the, the virginity, they've kept themselves or they've been cleansed from, from, from sin. Um, and then lamps. Um, lamps, there's a common theme throughout Scripture. But basically, it would, it's talking about lives that are radiant. Lives that radiate, that are radiant, lives and actions that are radiant for Christ. So we see this, this you know, uh, is familiar to what Jesus had talked about earlier in, in the Gospel of Matthew. In Matthew 5, he told his disciples, he said, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So this is calling that we have. Jesus calls us to, to reflect, to radiate his light into the world through our lives, through our actions. Um, it's also, I just want to delve into this a little deeper because I think it's, it's going to help us get the full takeaway from this. Um, but as we think about this, like these lamps, they were carrying these, these lamps, um, or, or they could be translated torches, but either way, there's a light that the, the bridesmaids were, were, were holding up to greet the groom. And uh, it says they, they took their lamps. And there's, when you think of the idea of lamps, it, it brings up connotations with the Old Testament. When they're in the temple, there were lamp stands, and you've probably, you've seen the menorah. And that is the, the model of the kind of lamp stands that were set up in the temple, where there was this central, like, lamp, but branching out of it, and this is laid out, we're not going to read it all here, but in Exodus 20, 25, there's a picture here we can see. Um, you see that, there's, there's a central lamp, and then there were three branches on each side that went out from it. And... And with that were, were almond, almond buds, which is interesting. Almonds were the, the almond tree is the first one to bud in the spring. So speaking of the new life and the light that God brings into the world. And there, there are six plus one. So, so think about that. We'll come back to that later. Um, but it was, it was important um, in the Old Testament. This, this light was to, be, was to stay on continually. This lamp was to always stay lit in the presence of God, to reflect God's, God's glory in the world. So all right, back to the story. Verse 2. Five of the virgins were foolish and five were wise. Okay, so that's the setup. There are ten, five were wise, five were foolish. Five picked the toilet paper that was low, five picked the toilet paper, no, just joking. <laughs> um, there's a difference though, there's a dike, there, there's, we're going to see like, okay, which, which is the one that we're supposed to be like? For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. All right, so this is the key. That they had their lamps, they were ready to greet the groom when he comes out. The wise ones not only took their lamps with the oil that was already in them, but they took an extra flask with backup oil. But the foolish ones were like, oh, we'll be okay, we got some, where it's lit, we got oil in here. We'll, we'll be good. But they didn't have any backup. So they were, they were low on oil. So the, the key of this whole parable is oil. 
Oil, big oil. It's, it's all about the oil. And so the question is, what's the oil, right? Like, what, what is the oil? This is, this is, what is it talking about here? Well, it's generally understood throughout Scripture, and people who've, who've studied this, there's a general agreement that the oil represents the Holy Spirit. Throughout, throughout Scripture and in, in Hebrew culture, there was this anointing oil that you'd place upon a priest or a king, and it represented the anointing of God, the presence of God coming upon a person. It represents the Spirit of God. So the oil represents God's Spirit. And, you know, that's profound because our lives, if we look at, like, we're called to be the light of the world, but you can't be light without fuel. You can't have this kind of light without oil. There's got to be, we can't just be light by ourselves. There has to be a source beyond us. And our lives are designed to be fueled by the very presence of God. Our lives are designed to have God inside of us and living in us and fueling everything that, that, we, that we live from. And our relationship with God is contingent upon his presence being in our life. Like we, it's not just us trying to be in relationship, but it's actually receiving from him and then out of that living in relationship. In Ezekiel 36, 27, um, God had prophesied about what happened when the Messiah came. And he said, I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. In 1 Corinthians 3.16, we're told, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? You know, this is, this is the essence of being a Christian. It's not it's morality. It's not trying hard. It's receiving of God's spirit and then connecting with God and living from that place. It's like we've been dealing with a car recently that has a big oil leak. And it's crazy. Like, it's just, you have to, like, continually carry oil around or it's going to crash and burn. And that's, that's how our lives are. Like, we're designed to have the oil of God filling us up. And especially our relationship with God is dependent upon that. The, um, the Spirit of God is a really good thing to have in our life. The Spirit of God is a really good thing to have in our life. The, think back to that seven, the, the lampstand in the temple. Um, there's a connection here to, in Revelation, it talks about the sevenfold Spirit of God. Or the seven spirits of God, Revelation 5, 6. And I believe this is defined for us in, in the Old Testament Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 11. There's another prophesi- prophecy about the Messiah. And it says this, There shall come forth a shoot, from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. So this is speaking of the Messiah, Jesus, who was going to be a descendant of David. It says, the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. Okay, the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. I think if you, if you break those down, I think it, it's, you'll count there's the Spirit of the Lord. That's like the center part of the lampstand. And then there are six other spirits that it talks about that emanate from the Spirit of the Lord. The Spirit of wisdom. These are all things that you're like, man, I could use some of that in my life. I could use some wisdom. I could use a spirit of understanding. 
I could use a spirit of counsel. Man, I got situations every day. I don't know what to do. I could use a spirit of counsel. People are asking me what to do. I could use some counsel from God to know what to do. I could use a spirit of might. How many of you could use a spirit of might? Just some power. Just some energy. Just some Holy Spirit vigor coming upon us and saying, man, hey, this is, this is some empowerment from God. That's, that comes from His Spirit. The Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. We need knowledge. We need the fear of the Lord. These are all aspects of God's Spirit that He desires to give us. He, we're designed to live with these in our life. The Spirit of the Lord, wisdom, understanding, counsel, might, knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. And we see in this parable that both the the foolish and the wise virgins started out with oil in their lamps. And when we become a Christian, God's Spirit comes and lives inside of us. But the issue is, well, we'll find out what the issue is, but it's not just how you start, but it's how you end. The Bible talks about, in in Ephesians 5.18, it says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Many of us have experienced being filled with the Holy Spirit. We've experienced touches from God, empowerments from God, spiritual gifts from God. But it's not, hey, I had this experience back in 2019. But it's, hey, what is that? What's my reality? What's my experience in my life right now? So that's what we're going to see in the story here. So back to the, back to the parable, verse 5. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. That's a typical wedding, right? It's like you're... You go to the, the ceremony, and then you go to the reception, and you're waiting for the bridal party because they're taking pictures. And it takes forever. And they're delayed. You know, like, oh, man, why don't they just do that beforehand? No, there's always the weddings, and there's always delays going on. And here, the, the, the bride, the groom, is delayed. And so often in our walk with God, it's, there's a delay between the answer to our prayers and where we are right now, there's a delay between us encountering the groom, us encountering Jesus, and where we are right now. We, we love those, like, the moments of connection, but the delay, that's, that's the hard part. I was talking to my son, Cade, last night, who most of you know, he's, he just moved to, to Thailand about two months ago, and he's training to do missions work in Burma. And this week, he was... There's just miracles that happen. There's crazy miracles, stories. And this, a couple, few days ago, they went to have dinner with this lady who she and her brother and their family became followers of Jesus several years ago. And the team said, hey, tell us that story about your dad. And tell us the story about the time when he was in prison. And, because that's an amazing story. And several years ago, her dad was, was arrested and he was imprisoned. And... As he was, as a place of delay, like, man, I'm in the cell, what's, what's going on? This is, man, I'm following you, Jesus, Why is, what's going on here? As he was in his jail cell, he, he was praying, and a piece of metal came through the ceiling of the prison building and fell down in front of him. And it was either a key or a piece of metal that worked just like a key. And he went to the door and he unlocked the door and he got out of prison and escaped. Wow! Do you believe that that's possible? 
Because that, that's the kind of stuff, like, man, God, can I have some more of that in my life? Like, those are the moments, like, and I, I believe, like, God does things like that. As you walk with God, you see miracles. You see things that are, like, humanly impossible. And we love those things. But there's also a lot of life where it's, like, sitting in the jail cell. And there's a delay. And what we do in that delay time, like, that's the real test. And that leads to the miracles. If there's going to be a miracle, it's going to usually be connected to what happens in our hearts and in our lives during the delay. So as the delay came, and they all got drowsy. And, you know, that's kind of encouraging to me because um, I get drowsy sometimes. I get spiritually tired. I get lethargic. I get complacent. I, I think it's almost, it's pretty much unavoidable that we go through that stuff. And so it's not that you're not going to go through that, but it's like how, what will get you through that spiritual lethargy? Um, we see that, you know, as I said, both, both of them started out um, with oil in their lamps. But, um, so anyway, there's a delay. Verse 6, at midnight there was a cry. Here's the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all the virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. They're preparing themselves to meet him. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. All right, problem here. The groom is showing up at midnight, and half of them don't have oil. They don't have something to light their lamp to meet him with. And, you know, it's not, like I said, it's not what we start with, but it's, it's having something in our life that carries us through those times. They were, they were running low on God's Spirit in their life. They, they were running low or out of God's, God's presence, God's oil, God's presence in their life. And they asked the wise, you know, hey, help us out. You got some? Give us what you got. Give us what you got. Help us, so we'll have enough. But in verse 9, it says, But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. Wow, this seems kind of cruel. But they're like, hey, we have enough just for us. There's not enough for us and for you. And there are a lot of things in life that we... We need other people for, but there are some things in life that you can't get from anybody else. There are things that you have to get from God directly. Mono y mano, you and the Lord. There's no other intermediary. It's, it's man, I, it's got to be what we have. Matthew Henry, the commentator, said, But those that would be saved must have grace of their own, and those that have the most grace have none to spare. The best need more from Christ. Wow, the best need more from Christ. I think that's so true. It's like the more you have of Christ, the more you have of God's Spirit, the more you're like, man, i got to have more. i, I got to have this. I can't live without, without you. I can't live without your presence in my life. I can't live without your Spirit in my life. And so there's, there's something that we have to, just us and the Lord, we have to receive from Him. And we can, there, there are dealers, there are like, there's a, we could point people in the right direction, like, hey, there's, it take, it does, there is a cost to it. 
it's not money, but it takes time. It takes focus. It takes intentionality. It takes seeking the Lord to receive his spirit in our life. And you can point people. You can point others to that. But at the end of the day, we have to all go to the dealers ourselves and receive what we need from him. Others can't buy oil for us. In verse 10, And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with them to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. And that's a scary note of finality. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Wow. Scary stuff here. Doesn't seem to fit the once saved, always saved narrative. Doesn't seem to fit the, hey, I prayed a prayer, and so I'm good with God. There's this note of finality that, hey, the door is shut, and whether they came into the feast or not was dependent upon the current state of the oil that they had in their life. And the groom said, hey, I I don't know you. It all comes down to this relationship. It all comes down to, hey, how much, not, not did I know you or did there was some encounter at some point, but do I know you? I don't know you. And so, there, there it is. Um, you know, it's interesting, too, that these were, these were still virgins. These were still like, you know, they were like checking off the boxes of good morality and, you know, good, you know, model life. But you can have a pretty good life. And that's not the same as having God's presence in your life and having what you need to be in relationship with God and to be in his kingdom. So Jesus finishes in verse 13. He says, Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Watch therefore. It's be attentive, be be active, be vigilant about this. I think this is true not only for the second coming, being ready for the final judgment, but also in the here and now. For us to live the life God calls us to, to be light, we have to have that. So, all right. Like I said, I think this is supposed to be encouraging. It is very sobering, right? But it's also they're like, hey, five were wise. It's doable. There is oil available. The Spirit of God is available. The presence of God is available. It is, he is there for the asking. And he is that's the ability to have his presence in our life and for that to fuel a life that radiates him and brings glory to him. That is available to us. That is not just a pipe dream. That's not just for the Mother Teresas of the world, the super saints. Like, no, that's, there's, that's something we can have if we desire it. And so um, I just want to walk through, like, how do, we, how do we get oil? How do we be like those, those five bridesmaids? Um, Five things, real quick. One, offer yourself fully. The precondition of all this was, was being a virgin. The precondition was, was being fully devoted to God. And that's, that doesn't mean for us that there was never any sin in our life, but it means we're devoted to the Lord and that he's cleansed us from our sins of the past. And our hearts are his. That's the starting point of devotion and consecration to him. And this being renewed continually, turning from other gods and turning to him. And then, as we offer ourselves fully, we, we, we can desire God's spirit, desire God's presence. David said in Psalm 42, 1, he said, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul thirsts for you, God. Like, God, I long for you. 
I want you. There's nothing else that satisfies me but your presence. I desire you. I want you. I know that every time, almost every encounter that I've had, or the vast majority of the times where I've experienced God's presence, there's a connection to my desire. There's a connection to wanting more of him. And from that place, I experience him. From desiring his presence, then we ask. It's very simple. Ask for God's spirit and presence. Jesus said, ask and you will receive. Ask and you will receive. He said, hey, the Father's good. If you ask for the Holy Spirit, he's going to give you the Holy Spirit. Ask for him. Um, ask for him. Ask and you will receive. We've got to do it ourselves. Nobody else can do it for us, but, but we can do it. And I know I've got to ask over and over again because I'm like that leaky car. Man, I, I need to put a five quarts of oil in every day because it's just like, man, where did that go? It sure seems like I'm leaky. But that's why when, when, when Paul says in Ephesians 5.18, be filled with the Holy Spirit, it's literally be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. It's like, God, I need you. I need you today, Lord. Come, fill me. I want you. Come right now. And as we ask, we receive. And then four, be on guard against... Our tendency to have complacency and spiritual drowsiness. We've got to realize, man, I, I tend to fall asleep. I tend to get tired. I tend to get drowsy. I tend to get complacent. That's something I've got to be on guard against. It hit all of them. It hit all ten of the bridesmaids. And so the key was not that they didn't, that some of them didn't get drowsy or fall asleep, but that some of them had stocked up enough ahead of time that they were able to get through that. Think about that. They had stocked up enough. It wasn't just like, okay, I'm, I'm good for right now. But they're like, no, I need more than this moment. I need some reservoirs in my life. They were seeking God enough and getting enough of God in their life that when those times came, there was enough to get them through and get them to it. So that's what we need, maybe more than we realize. You know, the first one's like, hey, I got some oil. But it, it, they had some, but it, it wasn't enough. And then five, keep repeating one through four. <laughs> it's just like, just keep living this over and over again. That's, that's how we get oil in our life. Um, I want to, I just want to ask, any questions? This can seem kind of like, I don't know, mystical. Any questions? Jenny. Good questions. Good question, I mean. That's just one question, not two. Um, practical steps. I think the most, uh, one very practical step is to develop spiritual disciplines in your life. So that's like regular patterns of time with the Lord, Quiet time with God without distractions, time for prayer, reading the Bible, conversing with God, filling your, your life with his word, um, and doing that, like the discipline of it, so not just when you feel like it, but daily, regularly, coming to him, to plugging in, okay, God, I need you. It's like, and you've probably heard the saying that you don't always know what you ate your last meal. Or you, couldn't, you probably know your last meal. But you don't know what you ate last Monday. But that doesn't mean it didn't help you. And there's something about just sitting down with God and opening his word and feeding your spirit. Like it, it gives us his spirit as we do that with a hungry heart. Sometimes we feel it. Sometimes we don't. 
but it is doing that. So I think spiritual disciplines, um, and then gathering with other believers very much too. There is, there is just something about the, being, although I said you have to do it yourself, there is something about catching something from the presence of God is where his people are. And so living in community with other people with an open heart really helps. So those would be the biggest ones. Um, I was, I'm glad you asked that too, because our, our Kingdom Living 1, 2, and 3 books are also very good like guidelines to help us develop this and help us open up to God's presence and direction in our life. But especially the second one is very much about the spiritual disciplines, how to read the Bible, how to pray, how to build your faith, how to live in community, and some real, like, breaking that down in very practical tips on how to do that. Yeah, good question. And then, but, just, but that's like, I don't want to overdo, like, the nuts and bolts, you know, because it's also just, like, the heart, you know, just like, God, I, I feel drowsy, but I need you. You know, like, growing, just like pouring out our heart to God and crying out to him and asking him for more of himself. Like, it's more than the nuts and bolts. It's the heart of, of turning to God in a relational manner and learning in a relational way as we, as we, as we cry out to him. Yeah, good question. Any other questions? All right, well, I have a couple more like application things for us. Um, and as we go through these, um, worship team, can you all go ahead and come on up? We're going we're gonna to take a few minutes and just worship together and give us a chance to ask God to, to give us some oil to fill us up. Um, I want you to think through these questions as we, as we transition to that. First of all, what's your response to God's word today? What's your response to this? What's God speaking to you? What's applicable to your life? How are you going to apply this? This crazy story of the ten virgins at a wedding. And then, I really like this question, Are there, what aspects of the sevenfold Spirit of God do you especially see your need for? See a need for wisdom, for understanding, for counsel, for might, for knowledge, the fear of the Lord. And the good news is God generously pours out his spirit upon us as we look to him. He, he wants to give us what we need. He wants to give us more than we need as we look to him. But we gotta, we gotta ask. We just gotta ask and desire. And he does that. So uh, let's go ahead and stand up and worship together here. Ask God to fill us. Lord, thank you that your oil is available. Thank you to the Spirit of the Lord that was upon Jesus. He's being poured, about, poured out upon all flesh today. Thank you for this. That you're the Spirit of wisdom. You're the Spirit of understanding. You're the Spirit of counsel. You're the Spirit of might. You're the Spirit of knowledge. You're the Spirit of the fear of the Lord. Lord, even this morning, God, we, would you take us beyond our own heads? Take us beyond our own emotions. 
were made to be fueled from your spirit and by your spirit. Would you come now, like, just like the, the level of the oil, since it's available to be like starting, starting as a millimeter, just slowly filling up within the reservoirs of our hearts, coming today and filling us and even leading us into a new place of living this way, a new place of relationship. Lord, will you lead us into a new place of spiritual relationship with you? A new place of radiating your light in the world. A new place of having energy and wisdom for the good deeds that you've called us to do this week. The good deeds that you've called us to do. We look to you, Lord. I trust in you. I pray for everyone here this morning. Lord, may that be, may that be our experience today. May that be our experience. May that be the experience of every person here. Lord, I, I pray that there will be testimonies this week of People saying, wow, what? what's different about you? And you just, hey, I, it's God. God's in me. There's some for you too. How do you get that? How do you know what to say? Spirit of God. He wants to speak to you too. Well, thank you for this. Lead us in, Lord. Thank you so much. We want to be ready to meet you. Lord, we want to meet you right now. We want to meet you every day. We want to meet you when you return. Lord, help us to be ready in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord.